This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Howl.fm, a brand new app and website that will change the way you think about podcasts. With Howl Premium, you get access to dozens of original miniseries, audio documentaries, and comedy albums like Hardcore Game of Thrones and Something Cool, which is a really great audio documentary series with amazing narrators about the brilliant careers of underrated musical artists. You'll also get access to archival content, all the archives of WTF with Mark Marin, and shows from the Earwolf Network like Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made. Get access to all this exclusive content by becoming a member of Howl Premium. Go to howl.fm, H-O-W-L.fm. Use the promo code SNELL and you'll get one month of a free trial of Howl Premium. Thank you to Howl for sponsoring The Incomparable. The Incomparable, number 274, November 2015. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We are here to celebrate the holiday season in uh, the period allotted to us before the new Star Wars movie comes out, and then we have to talk about Star Wars. So, to talk about classic holiday TV specials, I'm joined by a fine panel of people. Steve Lutz is not one of them, but he's here, too. Hi, Steve. <laughs> I am also present. Uh, fahu fores, dahu dores to you, Jason Snell. Thank you. Uh, I will touch you with my ten and a half foot pole later. David Lore also there. Hello. I I wish you all a holly jolly podcast. Very very nice. Glenn Fleischman is out there. Hello. Hello. We're talking about Wahoo Sirius, or is it Yahoo Jorge tonight? I've lost track. We're celebrating Christmas commercially. Oh, yeah, even commercially. Even commercially. Oh, my time has come. You, you didn't have your aluminum tree? I've got a Festivus pole, and I'll show you where that's going. Sure. Ten and a half foot, I hope. Shannon Sutterth also out there. Hello. Hello. Silver and gold. All the silver and gold is mine. <laughs> Very good. And uh, she just wants to be a dentist. It's Aline Sims. Hi. <laughs> I hope my heart grows two sizes this day. Oh, I have some bad news for you. Oh. That leads to an enlarged heart, and it, it, it it's a fatal condition. That is bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I recommend a standing desk. Hey, yeah. <laughs> That's how the Grinch did it. So we're we're going to talk about three classic TV specials that were released. I did not even realize this when we picked them in successive years, successive Christmases. Mm -hmm. in That's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? It's it's uh, so few classic um, Christmas specials, and they all kind of came in a clump in right the, in mid the middle of the sixties. They're like, and now they're done. What was it in the water that caused this? I don't know. But nineteen sixty four's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, a Rankin Bass production. In claymation, there is a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this Christmas uh, from 1965. And 1966's How the Grinch Stole Christmas with an exclamation point. Those are the, the, the um, three specials that we're going to be talking about. All classics. You know, you could, you could say there was sort of an inflection point where the way Christmas was celebrated and marketed really shifted in the early 60s after television really hit. And all of these kind of have that same theme of it's not it's not the toys, it's not the marketing, it's here's what Christmas is all about. That's right. What is, what is the true? Yes, in fact, the plots of uh, at least two of these specials are really similar, as was pointed <laughs> out to me earlier. Um, really? Yeah, you know, in overarching, it turns out... Um, uh, we'll we'll get to it. Also, I, I'm always amused by how how much in jeopardy Christmas is. Christmas is a is a is a holiday that is right on the edge of being ruined at all times. There has always been a war on Christmas. Yeah, clearly, it, it, it's 
It's true. You could it could it could fall apart any minute. Um, uh, except in Whoville. But we'll get there because we're going to start with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We're going to go chronologically. 1964, this this stop-motion animation, Rankin-Bass, they did a whole lot of specials. But this was the one that, that is, I think, the most famous and that, and that made, their, uh, made their careers, actually, Jules Bass and Arthur Such as they were. Such as they were. Well, you know, you're, you're without the Santa Claus. You're, you're Frosty the Snowman. Your Santa Hobbit. Claus is coming to town. Yeah. yeah. They, did a, they did a bunch. Mad uh, Monster Party. This one, uh, so this one, of course, chronicles the story of of, uh, of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, as taken from the popular song. You may not as realize taken that from the book written by his brother in law in yep. 1937. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, not a not a classic um, uh, song, a, a relatively at the time, relatively recent kind of holiday novelty song, and yeah, turned it was within like 25 years. I yeah, think. yeah, and turned into this story of what would it really have been like. Uh, to to flesh out the story of that uh, of the origin of the red nosed reindeer and how he came to uh, guide Santa's sleigh that night and the answer is that the North Pole is a terrible place mm-hmm. full of awful judgmental <laughs> awful people mm-hmm. who will brook no difference and everybody must be exactly the same to the point where his father Donner. Uh, upon Rudolph being born and showing his glowing nose, says, well, he's never going to amount to anything now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he knows that's true because he's dealt with all the a-holes at the North Pole. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not and just people. It's all the creatures. My God. I mean, the elves are judgmental. The my, deer are judgmental. My, Santa's awful. He knows exactly what Santa is going to say about it when he discovers it, which is, Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself, which is exactly what Santa said. <laughs> yeah. you got to worry about the big hole that's full of all the other reindeer with, like, green noses, yellow noses, infrared oh. noses. They all oh, disposed God. of. They're all gone. And not humanely. Yeah. That's where reindeer meat comes from. Oh. The... I actually got an X-Men vibe. I, I tweeted about this. I said, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Rudolph you're is right. a mutant and he is hated be, for, for mm. his mutant power. And this is in yeah. a world where there are flying reindeer. That's fine. That's fine. But you better not be a mutant with a glowing nose because then there is no place for you in this. It just, it struck me that, I mean, obviously the message of this is one about like, you can, you know, you, we want to uh, enjoy the fact that people are different and it's okay to be different. That is the message. It's a very almost free to be you and me kind of message. But while sending it, it also sends the message that the North Pole is horrible. Well, I, I think <laughs> I forgot watching this this time. I'd forgotten how annoying the noise was too. It's one thing that mm-hmm. his nose glows, but it also makes an incredibly noisy, uh, annoying period. Piercing noise. Yeah. One has to suspect that that might be part of the problem. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she got us yeah. All Santa can't be stealthy with with that noise. Yeah, that's right. But they never bring that up, do they? He had a very annoying nose. A very annoying noise. <laughs> I like that Sam the Snowman actually points out how awful all of the goings yeah. on at the North Pole is when <laughs> yeah. he, he he pointedly early on calls Rudolph's nose a <laughs> nonconformity. Mm. Mm. Yep. Like he's pointing out this awful, uh, you know, sort of 1984-esque society where everyone must you know, <laughs> yeah. follow suit and have normal black noses. And You don't want to know what the elves do in Room 101. Well, you know, Big Brother is watching you. That's how he knows that you've been naughty. You've been naughty. naughty. Good, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all connected. Big Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'd also forgotten that Sam is a framing mechanism. That the Burl Ives character is a—he's uh, he, sort of ta- he's a framing mechanism, right? But it's um, he's a narrator. But he's yeah. completely—it's just sort of this strange. No other talking snow. I mean, so we got a talking self-propelled snowman, and that's mm-hmm. okay too. You yeah, can well, be a talking mm-hmm. self-propelled snowman in this world. 
Although he's apparently the only one of those, so there's no one to not conform with in mm-hmm. his case. <laughs> yeah. Burl Ives can get away with a lot. It's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the snowman is only an excuse to have somebody as good as Burl Ives be in the special. That, that's oh, true. yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was my favorite Christmas special when I was little. I remember, like, because it only aired once a year. We didn't have it, like, on VHS or whatever. And it was the thing I had to watch. And now it's been several years since I've seen it. And so I sat down to watch it tonight in preparation for the show. And, oh, what a letdown. Oh, (laughs) my Lord, what a letdown. But I kept thinking... What what if Rudolph was gay? Like, is this? Is yeah, this, that's it uh, tracks. As long as his nose isn't red, I think they're really <laughs> okay with it. That well, they mean, are like, elves. The first, <laughs> the first thing, the first thing that he's encouraged to do when he meets the adolescent reindeer for the first time is go talk to a girl. And so yeah, I'm like, right? What, what 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 is happening in this world? It is awful. It is awful. The special is not saying it's okay to be awful to Rudolph. It's expressly pointing out that it's okay to be a misfit. I mean, that's the whole point of the special. It's true. They're just throwing all of the beloved things about Christmas and the North Pole and Santa Claus under the bus to do it, which is an interesting choice. But keep in mind, when you were eight, you didn't catch all of that. You were just like, oh, well, these people are being pretty awful. But come on, it's Santa. I know he's good deep down. He's just you know very stressed out. <laughs> Even as he rolls his eyes at the elves. He has to deal with these damn elves trying to sing songs to him. Yeah. And a wife shoving food down his throat just as he yeah. just as he'd lost all the weight. He's gotta make weight. Yeah. I mean if if you watch <laughs> all the later Rankin Bass things that are like the year without a Santa Claus, the story of Santa Claus, he starts out as a young, thin guy. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. he has been tortured by Mrs. Claus all of these years, clearly, just fattening him up. <laughs> Let's talk about the elves. Um because you said it. The the elves I I, I enjoy Santa's again. Uh, to, like to Aline's point, kind of enjoying it on a level that I did not enjoy it before. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. there is that level there, which is, I, for example, I enjoy Santa's contempt for the elves. I think yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, the scene where they sing to him, they're, they're very proud <laughs> yeah. of their song. They're doing their best to sing it the best possible way. And just Santa reacts just with utter disdain. The whole song is <laughs> looking away, arms crossed. And then the whole thing ends and they look to him for his assessment. And he says, hmm, well, it needs work. I have to go. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone. He's gone. Although I, I, I also noticed, and my family noticed this too. This is basically where Will Ferrell is from. In yeah. Elf, yep. it is very clear that Elf is taking this North Pole story from from this special as like the most. I think it's the biggest influence on that movie because I oh, can yeah. see, I can see the, the this is the same characters. Although they're less Ed Asner is much less awful than than uh, this Santa is. But well, you don't spend much time with Ed Asner, so it's possible he's just as awful. Mm. They, they make rough. that obvious with the opening of Elf, where it, where it's all the stop motion stuff. I mean, yeah, exactly. it is direct. There's yes. no, you yeah. know. In Elf, they're actually ki- they're kind though. It's like actually the elves are sort of they feel bad for him. Yeah. And they're they're kind to him, but not here because they're not because they're we we meet Hermie the elf who just wants to be a dentist and and he doesn't fit in just like Will Ferrell doesn't fit in actually an elf and uh, and uh, this leads to our buddy our buddy comedy our mismatched buddy comedy with Hermie and Rudolph who do, who basically are pushed out onto an ice floe they decide to leave the North Pole in the middle of a storm because they uh, there's no place for them there. Hey, we gotta we gotta back up a second though because we missed uh, we missed Clarice. Hello, Clarice. Uh, you made it creepy, Glenn. And uh, well, yeah, well, the bit where he she's very interested in him, and then he makes this giant leap. He's thrust yes. into the air. There's no symbolism. 
Well, the reason that she's uh, she's into him is at that point he's wearing that enormous fake black nose. Yes. And you know <laughs> what they say about the size of a reindeer's nose. No, I don't. What, what do they say? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Actually, I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> this clearly predates Elf. Because by that point, the elves have learned the lesson of Rudolph, so they're nicer to Buddy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. At least someone learned. Head cannon. I do yeah. wonder, is, is the enormous black fake nose and the speech impediment really better than the tiny glowing red nose? <laughs> He's like the Jimmy Durante of reindeer. Jimmy Durante narrated a different one. He did. Well, I think they felt bad after this. Of all the things they they single out about his difference, but that that's the point of this, right? It's just it doesn't even matter. It's just he's different from all the others. He stands out, and the and con- conformity is the order of of Santa Claus's cruel northern kingdom. Eugenics and conformity. <laughs> Donner's self respect is more important than comfort. Yeah. It's uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw in a, a 60s cartoon aside here, by the way. Um, I grew up on the classic, totally weird 1967 uh, Spider-Man cartoon. And while I was watching this, I, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, wow, uh, Rudolph's dad is like J. Jonah Jameson from the Spidey cartoon. And then I went on IMDb. It is the voice of J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider-Man cartoon. And in fact, Hermie is the voice of Spider-Man from the Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, oh really? I missed yep. that one. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's more. I looked it up. There's actually, I think... Uh... There, there are a bunch of people in it who are in the Spider-Man yeah. cartoons. But ne- the next time you watch it, just think that Donner is actually just J. Jonah Jameson. Miss Brandt, from now on, make sure Peter Parker plays, takes no part in our reporter games. Yeah. I'm tired of these teenagers like Rudolph. Yep. <laughs> Same guy. My Hermie sense is tingling. Oh, Glenn, no. <laughs> All right, let me tell you about a sponsor on The Incomparable. This is a this is a good one. It's a Kickstarter project from Max Temkin, co-creator of Cards Against Humanity. It's got an interesting name. Are you ready? Here it is. It's Secret Hitler. That's right. Now, you may be saying to yourself, why would you put Hitler in the name of a product? But you've got to hear what this product is, and uh, it'll make sense. And I also subscribe to the uh, Mel Brooks line of thought, which is the more things we can say to demean or mock Hitler, the better. Anyway, uh, Secret Hitler is a game. It's a uh, inspired by classic party games like Mafia or Werewolf or The Resistance. If you know those, it introduces some new mechanics to the genre. Um, and, and anyway, if you're familiar with any of those sort of social deduction games, you will get a little bit about what Secret Hitler is all about. Uh, the liberal team is trying to keep control of the government. This is definitely inspired by the rise of the Nazis in world before World War II. Um, and they are a majority group, right? But they have distrust and they need to learn to work together to overcome fascism and assassinate Hitler before he can take over the government. So it's super intense, but it's also really interesting in how it tries to take a, a page out of history and understand the dynamics that led to the rise of somebody who did not have the support of the majority, uh, but that person ended up taking control of the government. So it is a, a little bit of history and a little bit of social commentary, and also it falls into this social deduction category. If you've ever played Werewolf, you know what I'm talking about. Very fun and very cool. It's on Kickstarter now. It's already funded. 3,500 people have already backed it. So when you back it on Kickstarter, which you can do through December 23rd, you're going to get the game. You're going to get the game. And you can learn a lot more about it, see it in action, watch the videos at 
secrethitler.com. That's where you need to go, secrethitler.com. Now, Max Temkin, uh, who created uh, co-created Cards Against Humanity, smart guy, funny guy. This is a great idea for a game. He's done some other game design uh, in the last few years that I've really enjoyed. I, I encourage you to check it out, especially if you played any of those social deduction games like Mafia or Werewolf. Uh, I think you will find Secret Hitler a really intriguing spin on the concept. So go to secrethitler.com. And thanks to Max and everybody else behind secrethitler.com for sponsoring The Incomparable. And by the way, Glenn was the secret Hitler all along. They, they go off and end up uh, almost being killed by the, abo- the abominable slow- snowman, who is the cutest monster ever. Uh, mm-hmm. That poor thing. <laughs> We're not there yet, but that poor thing. They have a scale problem also i noticed mm. there's there's oh, my son noticed that my How son's like, are the he's like the size of a mountain and then later he he's just standing inside <laughs> in the mountain that's that's a feature of rankin bass i like that though it was actually yeah. kind of great it's sort of surreal yeah they, they, their spatial awareness is terrible i mean towards the beginning uh donner like takes off for flight and he's still inside the cave yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like how did he not get stuck in the ceiling with his antlers he can he can shrink which is unlike the other reindeer and that's really freaky i've put a lot of thought into my rudolph headcanon haven't mm, I? yes uh-huh. wow as is only appropriate he does start enormous and then and then get smaller when he needs to be smaller but they avoid well, you know what they say about reindeer with small noses no i don't what, how, what do they say david <laughs> You might even say he grows. <laughs> so anyway, they they end up they literally end up on an ice floe in order to avoid the the uh, the abominable snowman, and uh, and they end up on the island of misfit toys, which is a whole set piece where there are there are other nonconformists like them, including uh, Charlie in the in the box, uh, Gilligan, which, which is Skipper, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Marianne. Um, and the rest, and and, uh, and there's a musical number about the uh, about the island of misfit toys. I'm confused kind of with something here, though. I'm confused. Yep. Which is so the, the San, like at first in my memory, my headcanon was they're abandoned there, that they're imperfect, and the elves like send them off there. But in this, I realize there's a this lo- flying lion, of course, uh, mm-hmm. and the flying lion yeah. goes around <laughs> the world to collect flying them. Lion. So mm-hmm. are they damaged by children? Is this kind of a Toy Story scenario? And then um, King What's-His-Face goes and... Uh, the the lion is Aslan. The, there is actually... Um, there, <laughs> I'm telling lion. you, this headcanon is yeah. amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> The the um the so the flying line this is a, there is a Toy Story thing I think I think uh Toy Story is inspired by this in some ways too there's in fact a line in here about how toys toys want to be played with yeah that that is a direct antecedent of of the entire concept of how how the yeah. Toy Story world works this uh, is my thinking and and they don't go into it for some reason but I'm pretty confident that all of the misfit toys are actually the awful rejects that Hermes been making all these years I have thought that too yeah. So it's really his fault they're there in the first place. It would be great if they get to the island and Hermes worshipped as a god. <laughs> it would be fantastic. <laughs> no, but this is my this is my issue though, is are these toys delivered to children? And then King Moonrisher goes, Oh no, 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 no. And he goes and collects them, so they're given out and I assume they fa- they fail the quality control. But it the says North that King Moonracer is going around the world, you know, flying Maybe around so. the world getting them. So Maybe so. Maybe. Hey. Well he says that, but you'll notice he lives like half a, a uh, Arctic Circle away from the North Pole. <laughs> right. It's pretty obvious where he's getting the toys from. But. Oh, it's so sad. I think I've thought a lot more about my headcanon than they thought about the script. Yeah. <laughs> Did they not sell, like, cute little elephants with polka dots in the 60s? Is this a new invention? Because I couldn't figure out why the cute polka dotted elephant was a rejected toy. 
Because elephants don't have spots. But he was adorable. I know. That's what I thought. But, but see, we've come a long way. Back then, back yeah, then, the, nonconformity was not allowed. Okay. Elephants don't and have you spots. You couldn't accept that, yeah. You will at least admit that the train with the square-wheeled caboose is utter garbage, right? But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're not there yet, but it, it had to be an aluminum tree. So. <laughs> I'm just saying when they eventually deliver that kid, the, uh, the square-wheeled caboose train at the very end when the misfit toys are handed out, that's, that kid's got to be on the naughty list, right? Mm. Coal or square wheel train, your choice. It's it's not that it's just like aesthetically unpleasing. Square wheels don't work. That's true. Just drag along. I mean, I've seen teddy bears from from like the twenties and thirties, and they were not photorealistic. So I just I don't know. Like I have questions. I guess. Yeah. No one ever explains what's the matter with the doll either. Yeah. She's cute. I as was a looking. Yeah. yeah. See, I just assumed she had like one of her buttons was in the wrong place or something. But you're right. It's weird. Weirdly judgmental. But this whole thing is about that, right? <laughs> the the <laughs> whole thing is weirdly. It's judgmental. Thematic, yeah. So they go. So they go back and 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 they kick it back into gear to the things that are actually in the the story uh, and the and the song. Because again, speaking of your headcanon, this whole thing is like somebody's headcanon of the song mm-hmm. Rudolph the Red Nosed Waiter. How would that oh, work? No. The what if there's an island of misfit toys? That's not mentioned at all in the song, but we'll just throw it in there. But they get back on the plot where there's a foggy Christmas Eve and Santa has to come to Rudolph and uh, and use his glowing nose in order to uh, get the uh, get the uh, the sleigh to uh, because Christmas is ruined otherwise again Christmas on the precipice of being ruined at all times and saved by by Rudolph who whose deformity has suddenly become an asset conveniently now I question the supposed utility of Rudolph's hideous mutation I mean <laughs> surely the elves who are expert uh, you know craftsmen could quickly fashion some sort of headlamp for the lead reindeer Surely faster than it takes to rejigger the harnesses nope. to fit a seventh team. Nope. They, they tried a whole bunch of them, and they wound up on the island of Misfit Toys before he went to go see Rudolph. Oh, so there's like a whole like, uh, yeah, like they, a they just filled with headlamps. That are, they don't, they <laughs> don't get, headlamps. like, the, the circuitry just doesn't work. They, they ran out of batteries. I mean, it's a really detailed headcanon. That grotto of malfunctioning headlamps is in a deleted scene <laughs> turns up on the DVD. Weeping yeah, lamps. The, the Aurora Borealis, as we know, interferes with electrical signals and prevents effective use of anything yeah but, but then you could see noses. things with the aurora borealis we, we can't we can't ignore the abominable snowman and what okay. happens to him let's let's talk about him he's so he's so cute and then then the weird dentist elf pulls all his teeth <laughs> how is he supposed yep. to live i don't For understand has the Bumble devoured other people? We keep hearing about it. We right. don't see Where's it. Where's the evidence? Well, we do see him attempting to eat one of the reindeer. But he just waves Rudolph it around. He could have eaten it by then. <laughs> well, he likes to savor his food. And it kind of looks like he was trying to talk to them. They were all in the cave. They're all gathered around him. And he's just kind of looking at them. And I don't know. I call shenanigans. They, mm. Remember, they're all monstrous. They are. I mean, even our heroes are awful. I mean, Hermie rips out all the snow monster's teeth. Mm-hmm. And, and sh- that surely breaks the dentist's coat of ethics, by the way. Yukon's yeah. busy throwing around that pickaxe. Encouraging children to lick pickaxes oh. in the middle of winter is not at all responsible. <laughs> and Aline, don't worry, because um, the, he will be able to feed himself because there are four main food groups, candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. So he'll be able to, to mm, take care right. of himself sure. with, with syrup. And that's that's why they need dentists. Yeah, that, or that maybe, dentists. maybe that's where all the sacrificed misfit reindeer in the future will go. Just well, chucked also into that the, the mall. Uh, yeah. the, great, <laughs> the great Yukon Cornelius, after all of the teeth have been ripped out of this poor, unassuming snow monster, his first instinct is to push him off a cliff. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just, oh my 
God. Our heroes. I think we need a new version of Rudolph that's told from the Abominable Snowman's perspective, like Beowulf, <gasps> you know, and, and uh, Grendel. I think we need a Grendel because – You need Bumble. All he, we need Bumble. And he, all he does – That's right. The E-L. He just wa- In the end, he, he is happily living with the elves, right? Well, yes, because he's gone through some sort of reformation he's, training. He's, as he's, he's, he's been uh, – yeah. He's gumming elves. <laughs> gumming elves. elves. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any other thoughts about about uh, Rudolph in general? Aline has expressed her disappointment. In My childhood is crushed. Unlike the other two specials we're going to talk about, this one goes on for and for on. double length. It's an hour long special, and, and and that is one of my problems with it. Is it's so slow. Mm-hmm. And, and had they cut it in thirty minutes, they could probably have done a fairly straight retelling of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer yes. and all this filler stuff, and it would have been a better special altogether. Well, Rankin Bass did that. I mean, almost all of their specials were an hour or 90 minutes long. Yeah. I'd, I knew that things over the years had been cut as commercials had become more and more plentiful, but I had forgotten there's like two song uh, recaps that, you know, totally you don't see anymore these days that, you know, like you said, all this stuff doesn't need to be there to tell the story. Oh, I think the Isle of Misfit Toys is part of its appeal, and that's not in the yeah. song and all of that. But, but boy, yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot that that goes on that is maybe not not necessary. It, it doesn't. It's pace. It is paced from a from a different time, perhaps. But they had yes. a whole hour to fill, and the song lasts for three minutes. So, what you going to yeah. do? And definitely a different time. I had forgotten just how just how firmly delineated the sexes, the role of the sexes were. Mm-hmm. Oh, know, The boys played the reindeer games while the girls watched. And, you know, women don't get to go, you know, Donner tries to tell his wife, you know, you know this is no place for a woman. I'm going to go find Rudolph. His wife, Shannon, do you mean Mrs. Donner? She has yes. no name. <laughs> she is a nameless female reindeer. Right. But you'll note that when uh, Donner heads off looking for Rudolph, telling her it's man's work, she immediately says, screw you, and yes. goes yeah, off yeah. on her own. That is delicious. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. A couple things I want to point out. First of all, uh, you know, for all the talk of uh, how great the misfits are, you'll note at the end that Santa doesn't bother to hand deliver the misfit toys. No. He just yeah. dumps them over the side with an umbrella. Oh, he now. won't, he won't touch them. There's probably not even a house down there. He's 100 miles out over the Pacific. Yeah, That's like firing a t-shirt cannon. Sure, Rudolph, I'm, I'm going to deliver these misfit toys. Splash. Into this jet engine. Other thing, and this is only interesting as a uh, potential bar bet, but I don't think, we'll get to this, but I don't think that Charlie Brown ever says good grief in his Christmas special. But the elf foreman in Rudolph sure does. He <laughs> yeah. lays out a good hearty, good grief, at one point. So, you know, next time you're uh, in a bar on Christmas Eve, there you go. Okay. <laughs> good, good knowledge. Let me take a break to tell you about one of our sponsors. It's the Ministry of Supply. You know, dressed shirts should be better. They should work with your body and not against it. They should keep you comfortable all day long. That is what drives Ministry of Supply. It is a menswear company that launched out of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology three years ago. That's right. They're using science and technology to make office-appropriate professional wear. It fits better. It has technical benefits. It will manage your body temperature to keep you from overheating. It will manage the moisture in the shirt. It will keep you dry, and it is resistant to wrinkles, so you can stay away from ironing. I hate ironing. It's the worst. The most tech-forward dress shirt they've got is called the Apollo, like the space capsule, and it's made with sweat-wicking fibers 
infused with NASA engineered phase change material for temperature regulation. It is a high tech shirt. It's got a light knit construction, so it's breathable and four way stretch for mobility. And the people at Ministry of Supply believe in continuous improvement. They're refining and improving their products through a human centric iterative design process. So every iteration gets better. That's right. They are smart people at MIT coming up with very smart methods of making clothes. So shop them online, ministryofsupply.com. And if you use the code Let's Do a Draft, my favorite code ever, for 15% off your first purchase. That's right. If you use the code Let's Do a Draft, you will get 15% off. Or if you're in Boston, San Francisco, or New York, visit them in person at one of their stores. Mention the Incomparable Podcast and you will get 15% off your first purchase. Ministry of Supply, really cool science, technology, shirts. Ministry of Supply, menswear made smarter. Let us move ahead to 1965 to a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yay! Charles Schultz's uh, Peanuts characters appear in a Christmas special uh, with with uh, music by Vince Guaraldi. And uh, the plot of this, well... Charlie Brown, good old Charlie Brown. Everybody hates him. He gets talked into directing a Christmas play by Lucy, who's really the director of the Christmas play, as some sort of elaborate prank so that she doesn't have to do the dirty work, but can still say that she's in charge. Come on. She's a producer. Perhaps I'm overlaying a, l- a little bit on here. And uh, and they don't want to listen to Charlie Brown. It's chaos. They they uh, send Charlie Brown out to get a tree. He goes to a Christmas tree lot that's full of like multicolored aluminum Christmas trees and buys uh, uh, the saddest, homeliest Christmas tree you'll ever see. They mock him. F- the needles are constantly coming off. They mock him for it when he returns it. Uh, but in the end, he takes it back to... Uh, to uh his house i guess and uh and uh the uh it, it it's a pretty nice tree after all and they all uh see it and they wave their hands around it and it becomes a much larger tree that is well decorated <laughs> Magic. Meanwhile, in the B plot of a Charlie Brown Christmas, Snoopy enters a uh, a Christmas lights contest and wins. Snoopy and that's is delightful. A Charlie Brown Christmas, basically. Um, yeah, yes. So. I think I think this one still uh, more or less holds up. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. holds up because yeah. it's insane. <laughs> it is well, the pace of it is crazy because it you can you, when you watch it you realize you're just watching like weekly comic strips. Well, that's it's the wonderful thing about it is how gentle it is. I think, and that's why yes. you can just sit back and sort of mm-hmm. let it wash over you. And and the the slow pace, you just kind of you know kind of get into the groove with the Garaldi jazz. The and soundtrack everything. is the MVP here because it, really it is always, always there. I I listen to it year round. I, <laughs> it is one of my f- maybe in my top ten albums of all. Genius! It's amazing yeah. Schroeder can get that jazz trio out of his little piano. Oh, he's good. <laughs> yeah, he is good. good. But yeah, it is. It's totally the music. The um, couple days ago I had students working on something and somebody was like, you know, I want Christmas music. I'm ready for Christmas music. Miss Sutter, put on some Christmas music. And so I fired up Pandora and Vince Guaraldi and you know, here starts um, the Linus and Lucy theme and the next thing I know, three quarters, three quarters of my kids, they're working and their heads are bopping. Mm-hmm. Because they're, and, and, you know, and, and then of course the most energetic one gets up and starts imitating all the dances. Yeah, that the all the kids dance. on the stage are doing. It's just amazing how mean everyone is to Charlie Brown, which I realize is the shtick, but somehow in the strips it comes across as slightly more gentle or it's a gag and you watch it once you've watched and we've watched a bunch of it here in the last few weeks and i am just like man everyone is a total jerk to him Mm -hmm. like they there's no respect for his feelings even in the slightest degree but then 
Then it's like the redemption is, oh, yeah, I guess you're okay. And he's like, all right. I mean, he's got PTSD, the poor kid. So what I've said about this on the one of our previous holiday episodes is that the the individual elements of this should totally not work together. I mean, the animation is halting at best. Um, the, the fact that the jazz music, as great as it is, is mixed in with this particular show is really weird. Yes. The, the, the use of kids who couldn't even read, so they had to feed them one line at a mm-hmm. time, should have been a train wreck. Um, Sally, especially, is like can barely even get the words out. Oh yeah, but she's the best. She's the but best she's, part. But I, oh, I know, I know. It's just funny because it is a, it is genuinely a little kid. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it comes out so natural, even though it's so, so unnatural. And and but somehow the 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 combination of these weird, disparate things that should totally not work makes such a beautiful um, pie, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just it works so well, and it really shouldn't. I mean, and. and you can kind of understand, like, why. Well, I mean, everything was done in six months, I guess. Um, oh, know, yeah, it was really a total rush to finish job. It. I guess they finished it a couple of weeks before it was supposed to air. Uh, and, and I imagine that animating the Peanuts gang must have been just this totally difficult undertaking since, I mean, in the strips, the characters don't follow any of the known laws of physics. Right. Like, their <laughs> heads change shape when they turn mm-hmm. and all sorts of weird stuff. And somehow they managed to do it in this short period of time and make it all work, which is crazy. There, there's but, a there's a great uh, on stage. There's a camera shift where you go from straight on to to side, like you're looking out from the wings, and it's really funny because it's like, well, we only really have these two angles of the characters being drawn, so yes. we're, they're either from the front or from the side, and they do it, and it, it you and know it works. Yeah, it's it, it's it works that they they it make works. it look like a a moving version of a comic strip, which is what it is. So that's fine. Right. I, I also this this is actually a very very strange Christmas special because it actually involves Christ. I know mm-hmm. that sounds bizarre, mm-hmm. but well, it I actually that is going to wreck the thing too. What's, I know there's like he Elias goes yeah. off and just starts reading from the Bible. There's a Bible reading right in yeah. the middle of this thing. And, and I got to say, even though it's not my religion, I like the fact that they, that actually in a Christmas special where Charlie Brown starts the thing off unhappy with the commercialization, that you get the payoff that Linus actually you know reads from the Bible. I'm like, you know, even not being a Christian, I appreciate that in a show that they're actually you know this is going on. It's cool. And the reading is mm-hmm. so simple and sweet, yeah. and, yes, and that, and that cute yeah. little Linus voice that it, even as a non-believer, it actually sort of moves me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it, the, the nice thing is, it doesn't it doesn't force any religion on you. It doesn't specify that any of them are any particular religion. It just says, "Here's why this holiday is here, and that's why we're here, and it's about this baby, and that's yeah. that, and and it's okay, and you can take from that whatever you want." And it's just, it's, I mean, it, it, it really is sort of like a tabula rasa. It's wonderful that way. And, and then, you know, at the very end, they all come together and sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which, again, you don't often hear mm-hmm. real Christmas carols in a Christmas special. Right. Um, and it's just, I, I tear up every time I, I hear Linus now. Lights, please. It's, you know, it's just that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, and from that point on, I'm, gone, I'm done. You know how Fred Rogers, there's the Fred Rogers quote about look for the helpers. When bad things are happening, you look for the helpers. I look for Snoopy in, in especially this special because he's just hilarious throughout the whole thing. He's just, you know, he gets, he makes everybody lighter. You know, he's playing on the ice and he gets everybody to, to get in this like 
I don't know, ice skating conga line. He decorates his, <laughs> his, his house. He's, you know, dancing on the piano. And, um, and I think that, that Snoopy might actually be one of those connecting threads that makes it all work hmm. because he's, he's their agent of chaos. I think wisely here, they rein in the Snoopy shenanigans a little bit where you don't, I mean, as much as I love the great pumpkin, that sequence with the red Baron is interminable. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I want to point out that I think Linus, we're just talking about him. I know, but I think he's actually underrated uh, here and elsewhere. I mean, I think he gets the the spotlight literally, Uh, but he's the only one who respects Charlie Brown. He listens to him. That's right. Mm -hmm. He He goes goes with him, goes tree shopping with him, right? Everybody else is just sending him off to get rid of him. Yeah. Linus is not a jerk. He actually genuinely, he may feel sorry for him, but he actually genuinely likes to spend time with him. No, he's, he's sidekick and analyst and, uh, and he's like Charlie Brown's Yoda. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the first time ever, having seen this probably hundreds of times, uh, and it's the reason I yelled come on earlier. I realized that Lucy actually does Charlie Brown a genuine act of kindness. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. She asks, she asks she him, I think completely unironically, to direct the Christmas play, and then she offers to help him do it. I mean, it happens that it's going to be a train wreck, and we know that going in, but it's she she really does do a nice, selfless thing for Charlie Brown, and then there's, they're walking away, she sort of commiserates with him, and, and I realized, you know, she, Lucy's not all bad either. No. no. I was thinking that must have been really hard for her. Although this is the same girl who later tries to punch a dog in the face, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't you? No. 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 Not Snoopy. Uh, commercialism, right? So here we get the, the you know, oh, it's so commercial, this holiday is so commercial. And I guess this was the thing to talk about in the mid-60s. That's the yeah. theme of this and and the Grinch in a way, I think. It, the theme mm-hmm. is like Christmas has become this thing that isn't, it, it isn't what it used to mean, man. Um, which is funny because now... You know what is left but commercialism at Christmas time? Commercialism? Yeah, it's it's Black Friday that? week and Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's on one level. I think it is prescient, and on another level, I think it's kind of quaint that this is the concern. But that's what that's what leads to the power of Linus giving his reading is that you know the the whole message here is that uh, it's easy to get caught up in all of the things that are around Christmas and the trappings of it without you know, and then you lose perspective about what it's really about. Whether it is very specifically about this uh, religious. Uh, holiday, or even more generally, the meaning behind it, rather than the all of the mechanisms of you know get a present and go over here and and do this and do that instead of uh, the celebration and the love and the family and all of those things. I just I go back to Sally, you know, like we talked about earlier, and how I actually looked up on Wikipedia. I tried to to find how old she was in this. I, I figure like three or four, you know, and just just like that. She knows, you know, and if you've ever written a Christmas list or a gift list for a little kid, like they know exactly what oh, they yeah. want. Uh-huh. How about it's- heads and twenties? I wanted to call out how great I think the the background art is in some of these specials, particularly oh, yeah. the watercolors that they use for the night skies. The blandishment. They're 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 beautiful. Yes. I mean, the the coloring is fantastic. I, I love when they go out shopping for Christmas trees and it, yeah. you know, getting into the sunset at the opening of the Great Pumpkin too. They're just somehow perfectly evocative of the season that they're trying to represent. One of the things I love about the music is how a lot of it wasn't meant as Christmas music, and it was Bill Melendez listening to some of the, some of. Giraldi's just random stuff. I mean, he didn't even write a score specifically for this. They picked some random stuff. 
and the song we all know as Christmas Time is Here, he just went, hey, Vince, would it be all right if I write some lyrics for this? Because it sounds kind of Christmassy. And that's how that oh, that, that lyric was born. No, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, I think of the jazz piano stuff now as being kind of innately Christmassy, which, of course, it isn't. Yeah. But but yeah. for I do too. Charlie Brown Christmas, yeah? Yeah. This is my favorite. Uh, I, I would say this is probably my favorite Christmas album. That when when Thanksgiving passes and the moratorium is lifted, uh, Vince Guaraldi <laughs> comes out and uh, he's being played by me pretty much, yeah, like constantly for a yep. month. This is yep. present rapping music now and forever. Yep. I could I could probably skip every other Christmas album and just leave this one. Yeah, I think so. I really like that every small movement that Pigpen makes, even just turning his head yes. slightly, results yes. in a cloud of yes. dust yes. billowing up around him. <laughs> There's a lot of nice little details like that. I would like to take a break now to tell you about another sponsor here at The Incomparable. This sponsor is Underpants. Also socks and shirts. That's right. Our sponsor is Mac Weldon. Now, Mac Weldon is an online store that sells you socks and underwear. I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I remember when my grandmother gave me a Christmas present of socks or underwear. It was the worst. It was boring. It was dumb. I hated it. Mac Weldon is here for you. Mac Weldon has done something amazing. Mac Weldon has changed socks and underwear from being boring filler in that Christmas stocking to being a top drawer gift. That's right. The Mac Weldon holiday pack is not just a gift that every gentleman needs. It is a gift that every gentleman will be excited to get. And that's because Mack Weldon believes in smart design. They have premium fabrics. And there is a very simple shopping process. You go online. You look at their catalog. It's got a very nice, easy-to-use, browsable website. You pick the stuff you want. There's a size chart. You can make sure you get the right size. And then you click through, and they send you high-quality underpants and socks. Again, I, I emphasize, you will be excited to receive underpants and socks from Mac Weldon. All the products are naturally antimicrobial. That means that they don't smell, which is very nice. They want you to be comfortable. If you don't like the first pair, you just keep it. They'll refund you. No questions asked. Not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, shirts, not only do they all look good, they perform well too. You, if you're working out, it's not going to feel awful afterward. You go to work, you can wear it all day. Go out on a date, you're going to be comfortable. Well, okay, the date may make you uncomfortable, but your underpants and your socks will not. They will not be at fault. Everyday life in general is going to be brighter and better because you're going to have awesome Mack Weldon socks and underwear. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N. That's MacWeldon.com. You know how to spell .com, right? I hope so. Use promo code SNELL. And you'll get 20% off your order. It's that simple. Check out their website. Check out their socks and their underwear. You're going to be impressed. And then you're going to get 20% off by using promo code SNELL. Thank you to Mac Weldon for all your wonderful socks and underpants. Socks and underpants. I'm going to say it a few more times. Socks and underpants. Go to MacWeldon.com. Let's move on to Whoville. 1966 is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. How did he do that? A Dr. Seuss book come to life like like a like a uh, as if in your imagination what would a dr seuss book like be like if it sprung to life and uh through director chuck jones classic cartoon director chuck jones we get this and narrated by boris, boris karloff, karloff as as uh, the narrator right. and of course the voice of the grinch Evidently speaking through a heavily muffled trumpet. So I was, I was going to say, I wonder what the story is. It, it sounds, it sounds like he did this narration on the phone. Yes, and it I don't Skype. understand it. 
Isn't that and, what and happened? When he speaks as the Grinch, the trumpet is also filled with mud. It, like it's already horrible, <laughs> and then it becomes ten times more horrible. And, and it's not. I used to think it was. It was in my mind. I'm like, well, that must just be the crappy sound of the thing. But no, there's plenty of dynamic range in all the other sounds in this. Yeah, it's just fine. the voice of Boris Karloff, and it varies. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. I wonder if they only could get him for like one recording session, and it wasn't that good, or there was a technical problem, or yeah. or he did phone it in. They were using a Yeti that was on its dying breath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something terribly wrong with that because it's, uh, yeah, it's just something is very bad. It's it's a shame because well, it, it, it's it's great, but yet he he it does sound like he is calling on the phone to read you the story. He was very very old at that point. Yeah, well that that's why I wonder if he was unable to unable to do it, or they had to bring some equipment somewhere, and it was in in less than perfect circumstances to record it. I mean, it was like he he passed away three years later, so yeah. it's not. It's uh the the singing is by what's the guy's name? Thurl Thurl Ravenscroft. Ravenscroft. Yeah, Ravenscroft. They're great. Great. Like, Who need the tiger? <laughs> yeah. yep. I can't do it that low. No one can You're do it that low. Great, one, Mr. Grinch. Also well featured in the haunted mansion. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's the low-voiced singer in the graveyard scene. And his head is one of the busts. Oh. As somebody who, who has read many, many Dr. Seuss books to my children, I, I enjoy this story. I enjoy the fact that there are so many Seussian aspects to it. The fact that, that there, at one point, is a list of nonsensical things that goes on and on and on. That is the mm-hmm. most Dr. Seuss thing ever. The list of mm-hmm. various yeah. nonsensical things that are in that rhythm with those rhymes, made-up words. It's so, it's so great. And the, the Grinch... Um, I, what I love about the plot of this is it is just he is just the inverse Santa Claus. He sneaks into everybody's houses <laughs> on Christmas Eve and takes all their stuff. I think that's so great. Dressed as Santa Claus, <laughs> and once he's done with everything else, he's eaten the food, he's taken all the presents. Then he then he drags the Christmas tree over to the <laughs> chimney to throw that thing up there, and only then is he spotted by little Cindy Lou Who. Um, I, I, so I love I love the the story of it, and in the end, the plot resolution is basically that the Grinch realizes the. Christmas is okay after all, um, and that's which is fine. But what <laughs> Just I like, like Charlie Brown did. But what I like about about it is. Unlike um, unlike so many of the Christmas specials, Christmas is never in jeopardy because the Grinch essentially does do his, his you know the, his evil plan to ruin Christmas, and it doesn't work because the Who's in Whoville are just super happy and they get what Christmas is all about, uh, about like Charlie Brown, and uh, so it's all fine. And that's when his heart grows many sizes. In the Grinch's defense, the Who's, at least in televised form, are utterly horrible. With their infernal flu flubas and their awful tartinkers. Boy, I hate them. I hate the Who's. Blowing their hoo-hoobas and banging their gardinkas. They, yeah. they are not horrible. the physiology that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, when you've got, like, a, apparently a fully adult thing handing this giant <laughs> strawberry to a two-year-old who dwarfs him. They're just so loud and off-putting. The Who's are not sympathetic characters. We, no, we have a problem with Christmas spatial relations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The scale. I'm just saying that I, too, would feel compelled to take their pop guns, pampunas, mm. pantukas, and drums, checkerboards, <laughs> bisselbinks, popcorn, and plums. So I understand where the Grinch is coming from here. I kind of think he's, I think he's sort of right. I don't know about I agree with his methods, but I think his attitude is correct. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I also wonder, why does Cindy Lou Who sit at the head of the table? Are are they ruled by her? She's yeah. She's like Anthony in that Twilight Zone. I was episode. just going to say, is this an Anthony situation? Yeah, Does is. she mind control them all with yeah. a creepy antenna? What's it's 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 good that she's in charge. It's real good. Uh... Why, Mister Grinch? So this is actually my or was growing up my least favorite Christmas special. Huh. Um, 
I didn't grow up. My mom didn't read Dr. Seuss to me. Um, I had books, Aww. but she didn't She didn't read them to me. Um, I, I remember her refusing to read them to me. <laughs> um, but I didn't like, like, he kind of scared me. The Grinch kind of scared me in the mm. fact that he had kind of that low, weird voice through mm-hmm. the tuba. Um, <laughs> that kind of freaked me out. And, and like, I don't know. It, and even still, I kind of watch it and it brings up, of course, those childhood feelings where I'm like, I don't, this makes me uncomfortable. And I really don't know why as an adult. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm, I think I'm one of the very few people who actually doesn't really have an affinity for Dr. Seuss. Oh, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. I'm sorry. The Grinch is, you know, and he's a Scrooge-like character, right? He just doesn't yeah. want this, and he's got his, and he's got his dog sidekick who is adorable and Poor funny, Max. long-suffering. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's like Hermie. <laughs> no. Although he never removes anyone's teeth forcibly, as the, far as that's I true. Remember. Strong point. Yeah, I'll agree with Aline that this was not my favorite. Um, Christmas special when I was very young that, you know, I was all about Charlie Brown and the Rankin Bass and stuff like that. But I still watched it because I was a Dr. Seuss fan. And it was later on, the older I got, and the more experience I had seeing Looney Tunes cartoons and their different eras, this is, the visuals are so Chuck Jones. They Mm -hmm. are. Yeah, and you know that's a problem I have with this. Yeah, yeah. And, really? And I think it's it's just that I grew up I think seeing Chuck Jones animation every damn day, but it's it's not a rare commodity like the Peanuts specials. It's something I saw all the time. So the Grinch always right. feels just a little bit I don't oh. know generic. And, it's kind of like a Roadrunner cartoon at a, at a few exactly. points, right? Yeah, for me I love it. I love the, the the context that I associate with Chuck Jones being in this totally different environment, and yet you know some of the things come out the the evil grin that grows until. Until it's impossible, oh, yeah. and the extra beat of the Santa Claus, the tip of the cap falling after everything else That's, has yep. fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. all of those things. Um, as as I get older and know more about art and cartooning and all those sort of things, I appreciate that now. And I, like I think it. the greatest thing for me is the peak of Mount Crumpet, which is awesomely terrifying <laughs> when he gets the sled up there. That's a great sequence right there. And, and the whole balancing and teeter-tottering, yeah. I like it better now than I, than I did uh, as a kid, for some reason, and I think the Rankin yeah. Bass stuff doesn't. I don't like as much now because now I look at it and I go, "Really, come on!" And uh, but the, with the Grinch, I, I appreciate it more, and I think maybe that is because of liking Dr. Seuss and uh, and uh, and reading it to my kids and 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 appreciating the whole the kind of weird package of Chuck Jones and and Boris Karloff with the narration and the music with the the, the especially the repeating you're a mean one Mr. Grinch throughout the right. whole thing and which is lyrics. a great song by the yes. way if you oh my read god the lyrics yes that. from from garlic in your soul to arsenic sauce that's like you know the more yes. you hear it as an adult and you can pick out all the big words that you don't know as a kid and it's just funnier every time i just like your heart is full of unwashed socks your soul yes. is full of gunk yeah, fantastic. With a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked, <laughs> dirty jockey and you drive a crooked horse. And again, it's one of those that things that, you know, commercials sort of started squeezing things in and you lost like a, a verse or two in, in a couple of the transition scenes where he's still busy taking everything and uh, from everybody. I was not crazy about the book when I was little, but I loved the Chuck Jones animation. And, and again, it's those little touches that he threw in there. And I love the song. The song is such a good song and it's it's... You know, Ravenscroft does such a wonderful job with it. Um, you know, and, and so even even when I was little, I wasn't crazy about the show or the story, but I watched it for the art and the music. And um, and I'm I'm happy I just found this out. This has bugged me for decades. In Snoopy Come Home, 
He's he's also the voice of No, no Dogs Allowed. allowed. <laughs> and you know, it's it's one of those things that it never occurred to me to look up, but now that we're all talking about it, it's like, oh, let's see what else he did. Look up. So is it has a song? I mean, there's not a lot to it. What what it's great about it is the words that are in it and the fact yes. that the repetition is it gets, you know, you you get to what's gonna come what's it gonna say this time around? And that's the just as a as a thing to pull you through the story. It's it's so great. I mean, they're they're delightful words. It, yeah, it's not it's not like a song. It's not a fully constructed song. But he he's kind of the the MVP of the song because yes. he acts it so thoroughly and he pulls you along. I mean, it, you you could just sing it. You're a mean one, Mister Grinch. But you know, it's like you're a mean one. I mean, mm-hmm. you can feel his mouth wrapping around every word. It's it's. Uh, the the uh, religious aspect here is a little bit of a prodigal sonism, except the prodigal son doesn't usually steal everything and then come back with it. <laughs> but it's that thing. Okay. It's like that, that was in the apocrypha. You, you uh, roast the uh, <laughs> you know you you roast the cat the fatted calf and you serve it and, uh, the, and, and the prodigal son's at the right side, right? And so Susan. City Lou Who is the, the fatted Huber Blue. The, the, roast beast. The, the roast beast. <laughs> you roast the roast beast. Uh, but the, I think there's, um, there is that biblical thing. It's like he commits a kind of wrong, but no one's aware of it. So it's this actually odd moral thing. Then he comes back and they accept it as if he's giving them a gift because they are so free from materialism. And then he's sat at the right hand of God. I mean, of uh, Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, this, this is the truth of Santa Claus is he steals all your stuff and then just gives it back to you. <laughs> That's oh, right. That's and he, nice. he detests roast beef initially because he's on the side of the roast beast. Ah, he's a gifter. He's a vegan. But when he's turned to the good side, then he's he's happy to carve the beast himself. What kind of animal does that come from? It had no bones throughout it's the thing. So yeah, it's a beast. It's a beast. It's, roast, it's, roast it's beast. roasted. A boneless beast. It's roast one beef. of the who's. They don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flim ham a it had a glowing nose. The older they get, the bones oh. dissolve, and then they become it's, the feast. It's carved by Slim Scoople. It's how the cycle of Whoville <laughs> continues. The ones who walk away from Whoville. I got dark. Sorry. So here's the here's the question. Um, of these three, what what one now, having rewatched them, is the one that you like the best? Charlie Brown. Same. Yeah, Charlie Brown. Yeah, Charlie Brown. Steve? Charlie Brown, without a doubt, because in addition to still being entertaining as more than just nostalgia, it also still works, I think, on that emotional level, which uh, which the others, well, Rudolph simply doesn't. And the Grinch does to a lesser extent, I think. But Charlie Brown still works on me like gangbusters. And yeah. the kids still love it. Yep. The kids of today still enjoy it. My, my kids would, this was all the selected, uh, when we were driving for Thanksgiving or Christmas to uh, to various relatives' houses, long long distances, the video that would get watched the most would be the Charlie Brown holiday videos, the, the Christmas and, and, and uh, the Great Pumpkin and Thanksgiving, and they would just, just endlessly. In fact, I think my daughter would just watch uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving all year round. Which is baffling to me, but it was there was something about it. It just she found it very soothing. The peanuts are soothing just in general. And I, I was I was thinking about it this morning that uh, you know if you think about a lot of the classic Christmas stories and even even things that have been adapted over and over again, like you know what sitcom hasn't done a Christmas Carol and yet a Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Everyone talks about oh I used to watch that when I was yeah. little. I and it's a Wonderful saw. Life. They've... And but but they're all about one person changing. Even it's a Wonderful Life is about George Bailey changing. Right. And and discovering his own goodness and all that and how important it is to be good and whatever. 
And and the thing that's really interesting about Charlie Brown Christmas is the lesson there is everyone else changing. Oh. Mm-hmm. He never changes, uh-huh. really. He gets a little more confidence. But it's Linus saying, it's okay, Charlie Brown, you're right. We've all lost sight of this. You're the one who's who's got the eye on, on Christmas. And that's a really interesting thing. And that's very inclusive to everybody in the audience, right? Because we sort of, you know, we're all watching the commercials for Target and setting up our house and doing all the things. But we still kind of identify with Charlie Brown. And then it's right. at the end where Linus calls everybody out and says... Yeah, that's all extra stuff. Here's here's the deal. I do love the bit where he goes outside and he looks up at the stars and he rehears Linus's little mm-hmm. speech. Yeah. And he just has that happy little smile on his face. It's like a, a yeah. what, brief moment of of joy in Charlie Brown's awful, awful life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's you're, everybody still hates you and you're still bald and you have that one distressing piece of hair on the front of your head. <laughs> but you're not going the to hell, so shirt. it's all right. Yep. And there's that wonderful moment where, you know, then he takes the... the ornament and puts it on the tree and it collapses and he and he goes right back to it it's like oh i killed it and that's when everybody else has figured out what linus was saying and they come together and And they they wave their arms that's very sweet you know and so great yeah the grinch has a song where everybody sings and everybody's happy at the end this one actually has a point so that's why i that's what charlie brown's christmas is all about charlie Charlie brown Brown. charlie brown (laughs) Well, I, I, we were in shocking agreement here. That's good. Because, you know, it wouldn't be the holidays <laughs> if we didn't gather around the table and not argue. Christmas miracle. Why are there no Jewish there specials? Why are there no Jewish cartoon specials? Where are the Jewish cartoon specials? The Rugrats. Come on. Eight crazy did, nights, did Glenn. Come on. The Rugrats. <laughs> hey, Hebrew Hammer. A, a, a more general uh, non-denominational question. Why have they failed to come up with... Uh, more classics like this since roughly around 1950 years ago. All of the other reindeer, I think, was trying to do this. And it actually is kind of fun in parts, but I don't think it stops. Yeah, but it's a little bit too modern. It's decent, but it's too long. It's trying too hard, too. It's too commercial, (gasps) damn it. Oh, yeah, it's it's commercialism. I was wondering, because I don't watch TV, so so what are the kids watching nowadays? Are there new... Well, they they new still they, they still that, rerun these occasionally. Right. There are new specials made, and they were in the seventies. There was a raft of new specials, some of which are okay, most of which are are kind of like diminishing returns, like the Rankin Bass. I mean, they they right. they, they, they did thing. they did the year without a Santa they Claus ran it into the ground, and they and God. then they did yes, it's the New Year's one with the New Year's baby, which is just just ridiculous. And uh, and and do you believe it or not, there is an Arbor Day Charlie Brown cartoon. There is, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. Okay. Yeah, so it kind of got plant, it kind of uh, got they ruined. Plant flowers on his pitcher's mound, as I recall. However, in a, in array of of uh, a brightness of holiday specials in the seventies, there is the Star Wars holiday oh, special. So you should check that yeah. one. <laughs> Someone very smart one. told me not to watch those. That's that. non-denominational. Nope, nope. it was no, a lie. Really no, you should watch it. Watch that wonderful. was totally a lie. Really it's non-denominational. It's Life Day. It is just life affirming. There's watch. nothing more in it. Glenn, you would I love it. I watched it. I watched the. And you should lead into it with the the Paul Lind Halloween special, which is equally wonderful. Both of those make you feel better about being alive. It's. It's strange, though, that something nothing has really captured, I think, the zeitgeist like some of these old 60s ones. Have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that these are all from the mid-60s. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, a part of it is probably because everything is so splintered now. I mean, back when this aired, it got, you know, like a 50 share. Like right. half half of the TVs that were on were watching it. Yeah, you had three networks and PBS, and this was the only time you could see it at one time a year. That's right. Yeah. That's, right. That's right. But even no in like 1989, you'd think there was enough audience. But the I mean, animation was out of style. I, mean, I think that's part of it. Animation fell out of style mm-hmm. for a period of time until it got reintroduced in uh, – 
prime time and then sort of developed into a new thing. So I think there was a point in which they just weren't making you, this kind of you thing. You almost got there, Glenn. You mentioned ni- you mentioned 1989, didn't you? Of course. Mm-hmm. December 1989, the modern primetime cartoons for adults era kicked That's off right. with The Simpsons roasting on an open, on fire, open fire, the right? first yep. episode of The Simpsons, yeah. which was itself a Christmas special. Oh, which good. I should say That's actually excellent. does sort of mm-hmm. work as a, as a classic Christmas show. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It's pretty it is good. Pretty it's good. heartfelt. Santa's Little Helper. Oh, that is that there? is good, yeah. isn't it? I've forgotten about that. Was that time? If only the Simpsons were available to view it's in any bad. format. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever. Happened? They're in the vault. I don't know. <laughs> They're in the yeah, vault. I think you're right, though, David, about the the splintering, the the anticipation when there was a CBS Christmas special coming on back in those days, because and that, there was then simply that nothing else. Thing. Yeah. They do actually um, hoard these now, where they are usually only shown on TV. Right. Once, right. but you know, you can watch them. On video, anytime. On iTunes, right. I have the DVD of Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, You've well, got yeah and I remember on. my parents like saying, "Well, we're all going to sit down and watch Charlie Brown right. tonight." So, and and now it's like, "Well, we got other stuff to do. We'll put on the DVD later." Yeah, that's yeah. right. And you had you had several generations then mm-hmm. then of parents sitting their kids down and saying, "I watched this when I was little. You're going to love this." And they grew up with it. And now, I mean, yeah, my kids watch it and they watch it at will. They pull out the DVD and put it on themselves. That's the best part, by the way, where they take a breath in between every yeah. verse of the Lulus, <laughs> and they actually animate all of the kids taking a breath simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I and I just love the "Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown." <laughs> just that the rhythm of that. It's it's one of those kind of earworm phrases that's just stuck in my head. I love his little hop when he sees the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So yeah, I totally understand why current stuff is not is not classic. But you're right; there is that '70s '80s period that's suspect. Yeah. Follow. All right. Well, this has been enjoyable, um, and it was fun to watch these. I did watch these with my entire family, including my children, in the last few <laughs> You're days. You're considering your and children as part of your family. Been, it's good. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, you know, well, some, some of the videos... That's special. It's that time of year. Some really. of the videos um, are not that we watch for this podcast. I don't watch with my family. But these, I got to, and that was nice. Um, and I encourage everybody out there, you can, you can find them, and you should go watch them, especially Charlie Brown. How I hate him. Now, I would like to thank my guests for talking about Christmas uh, specials with me. Mr. Steve Lutz, thank you. You're welcome, Jason. Every Christmas, it's the same. I always end up being on one of your podcasts. Glenn Fleischman, thank you. I got a rock. Long holiday, Glenn. Also incredibly disturbing. (laughs) Shannon Sutter, thank you. Pleasure as always. Aline Sims, thank you very much. Thank you. David J. Lore, thank you. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. Maybe it just needs a little love. Aww. Love that, Linus. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Hey, Steve. Yeah, what's up, Jason? When Tweedlebeetles battle, it's a Tweedlebeetle battle. And if they battle in a bottle, it's a Tweedlebeetle bottle battle. And if they battle in a bottle with some butter uh, on a beetle, it's a Tweedlebeetle battle bottle fluddle metal puddle muddle. <laughs> Battle. But if but if the bottle's on the poodles and the poodle's eating noodles, well, it's a Tweedle Beetle bottle bottle poodle paddle muddle muddle bottle. Mister Fox, sir. Mister Fox, sir. And may God have mercy on your soul, sir. <laughs> 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 <laughs>